Big hello from the Fine Music Radio Studios. My name is Paige Nick, and you're tuned into Book Choice, our Publisher's Choice Edition. It's the only book show in the country where the biggest names from behind the scenes in publishing join us for a full hour to give us an insider's eye into the books they're bringing out right now. First on the show, we welcome the team from global publishing powerhouse Pan Macmillan. They're here to share some of their favorite current titles, both local and international. After that, we'll be joined by Jonathan Ball Publishers. The team at Jonathan Ball consistently publish a host of South Africa's top non-fiction titles, as well as loads of great international fiction and non-fiction. And they're here today to bring us up to speed with what they've got coming up. Then we're bringing you a host of new reads from the world's largest English trade publisher, Penguin Random House, who are no doubt no strangers to your bookshelf. Last but never least, we'll be joined by our great, great friends at Exclusive Books, who come on the mic to add their important voice to the show and share their top picks and the very best reads for you for the upcoming month. And each of these incredible publishers' slots are bookended by some wonderful music. All the music in our book shows every month here on Fine Music Radio are carefully and thoughtfully selected by Rick Everett and compiled by Dave Wood. Thank you for the music, you guys. Thank you. 
It's a wonderful musical score, Promenade, also known as Walking the Dog. And we've got our own beautiful promenade in Seapoint, and people, they walk their dogs there. And some people, they find love in the promenade, I tell you. Done there by local pianist Thomas Rajna here on Book Choice, the publisher's choice, our first track for the show. It was written for the film Shall We Dance? You're tuned into Book Choice, Publisher's Choice on Fine Music Radio with me, your host, Paige Nick. First up on the show, we're joined by one of South Africa's biggest publishers, Pan Macmillan. The Pan Macmillan team spend their days producing shelves of phenomenal South African fiction and non-fiction titles, as well as distributing some international authors. Pan Macmillan publish everything from your household name, favorite best-selling authors to exciting debuts. So a big welcome to the show to the Pan Macmillan team, headed up by the wonderful Veronica Napier, Senior Publicist at Pan Macmillan. Hello again from Veronica and Pan Macmillan Publishers. This week we have one of our talented young authors talking about his debut novel, a review of an unusual book talk read, my non-fiction pick of the month, and a very exciting announcement from one of the world's most respected and best-selling authors. Keep listening. Jared Thompson is our debut author, and he will tell us about his fascinating novel, The Institute for Creative Dying, due to be released at the end of the month. Jared has already won several literary awards and now lectures in the English department at the University of Pretoria. I'm handing over to Jared to talk about The Institute of Creative Dying. My name is Jared Thompson, and my debut novel, the Institute for Creative Dying is about five strangers who are each suffering with their own chronic and terminally ill disease. And they're invited by two facilitators, the mortician and Mustafa, to a retreat center that they've started. And at this retreat center, they are promised to be introduced to alternative therapies and experiences that will give them a different feeling, a different worldview around their own mortality and around death and dying. So the story is about these five strangers' experiences and interactions with each other, but it's also about the precarity of such a place, how it might come about and exist, especially in contemporary South Africa, and what might happen to a place like this um, if it were to ever exist and be established. Uh, so, Jared, can you please tell us a bit about the inspiration for the book? Uh, what was the subject, what was it about the subject of death um, that you wanted to explore? So, the inspiration came from my own journey through spirituality and trying to discover what I thought, what I felt, and what I believed about the world, about life, and about the dying process. Um, and in my exploration, I read a lot of Eastern philosophy, Buddhist philosophy, Hindu philosophy, and I came across thinkers like Alan Watts. And in one of his lectures, Watts suggests the possibility of a hospital for delightful dying uh, because his whole approach is to, to show the interconnectedness between all or beings or organic beings and he's one of his ideas is that if we were really reconciled to to nature to ourselves to the cosmos then we wouldn't have to fear death so much so i took this idea and i ran with it and i tried to build a story around it but a story very situated in south african history south african politics and south african life and the textures of the characters lives because each of the characters come from very distinct and different worlds um, and i was interested what might happen if you brought a nun a model an ex-convict a former athlete and philosophy postgraduate student together and 
what kind of conversations, what kind of interactions, what kind of insights might arise in a story like that. And then maybe you can tell us some of the questions and answers uh, that your book is trying to convey. What were you unpacking and did you, did you reach any point of resolution? One of the questions that's central to the novel is, is there a better way to die and what kind of experiences might facilitate that awakening? might facilitate that feeling of interconnectedness, but also interdependentness on our environment. So throughout the book, what is very prominent is the the presence of the natural world. And I draw on metaphors from the natural world alongside the personal dramas that the characters go through. And the reason why I do that is because, which is also one of the answers of the book, is that if we were to really mend our relationship to nature as a species, we might realize a different connection to the process of dying and death. And this is not to say that it's anything new. Indigenous cultures all over the world have had that intimate connection with the natural world. And in the more modern world, that has been sort of separated and, and cut off. So the book is about returning to that and trying to embody and write a story that brings out the wisdom of the natural world and what experiences might facilitate a point where we reach such a realization that dying is a natural process and that it's okay that we are recycled into the wider environment. Thanks so much, Jared. And uh, the Institute for Creative Dying is out in February 2023. BookTok has been hailed as a social media phenomenon that has given reading a boost in an increasingly digital world. Physical bookstores have taken advantage of the BookTok boom by creating dedicated BookTok shelves, featuring books that are making a buzz, connecting the online world with the physical. Stores have also created BookTok recommended sections on their website too. Now, contrary to popular belief, BookTok is not only for teenagers, and it's not ageist. BookTok is a virtual gathering of readers from all genres, all finding each other with one hashtag. The hashtag has garnered 82.2 billion views, and there is something for everyone, from fantasy to romance or literary fiction. Today, I've chosen to talk about an unusual, beautifully crafted read based on Greek mythology called Stone Blind by Natalie Haynes. Stone Blind is based on a story which has captured the imagination since the discovery of Greek mythology in ancient records. From the familiar names of Hades, Poseidon, and Medusa comes a distinctive retelling of these Greek figures. Haynes focuses her attention on the female gods and gorgons, offering us a retelling of the making of Medusa, the snake-haired goddess who threatens to turn any man to stone in her path. She dives deeper into the inner turmoil of Medusa, and ask the question of whether she's always been a monster. And if she wasn't, what happened to change her? My favorite paragraph nestled in the first few pages gives the reader a great foregrounding into the narrative Natalie weaves and the question she seeks to unravel. And it begins, and I see the men who call them that, call themselves heroes, of course, only I see them for an instant, then they're gone. But it's enough now. Enough to know that a hero isn't one who is always kind or brave or loyal. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes he is monstrous. And the monster? Who is she? She is what happens when someone cannot be saved. Natalie Haynes's modern prose takes you off into a world you didn't know you could imagine. Her descriptions allow you to visualize Medusa, Hades, and the Gorgons, and her insight into these characters makes the reader feel them, connecting you to the turmoil as it erupts. Lucy Hughes-Hallett reviewed Stormblind for The Guardian, stating, Haynes speaks in many voices. 
brief sections admits us to the principal character's points of view. Others are narrated by a crow, an olive grove, and the snakes on Medusa's head. Her narrative encompasses a war within, between gods and giants, earthquakes and floods, and the passages of eons of time. Her focus, though, remains sharp and her message clear. My non-fiction read of the month is The Making of the Modern Middle East, written by Jeremy Barn. Jeremy is the international editor of the BBC, a veteran journalist who has covered the Middle East since 1989 and is eminently qualified to explain its complexities, both past and present. The book begins in the 1990s and ends in the present. He takes us right across the Middle East and through its tumultuous history. He recalls how the invasion of Iraq was a catastrophic error, setting off a chain of disastrous consequences which led to the death of hundreds of thousands of people. By contrast, in Syria, President Bashar al-Assad responded to protesters with violence and chemical warfare. Obama, remembering the Iraqi disaster, backed away from intervention. Assad carried on killing his people and using chemical weapons. Putin ironically, saved the Assad regime, and this marked Russia's resurrection as a major power. Right now, tensions are escalating across the region. Iranians are protesting and being killed, following the death in custody of a young woman arrested by the morality police for not wearing her headscarf appropriately. Iraqi farmers cannot cultivate their land due to the mismanagement of water, and refugees fleeing the various collapsing states continue to die in the Mediterranean seas. Throughout his account, Barn keeps the reader focused on the ordinary men and women and the devastation wreaked on these civilian populations. It's a gripping and invaluable guide to the modern Middle East, how it came into being, its impact on the rest of the world, and what its future may hold. The Making of the Modern Middle East, A Personal History, by Jeremy Barn, published by Picador. Hello, I'm Ken Follett, and my new book is called The Armour of Light. It's set in my fictional town of Kingsbridge at the end of the 18th century. It tells of a group of linked families and how their lives are turned upside down by the new age of machinery. There's a boy genius, a two-fisted woman mill worker, a spiteful rich man, a Methodist socialite, and a lazy bishop. Some characters get rich, some go on strike, some learn to read, some love the wrong person, and some go to war. For this is the time of Napoleon and a European war that goes on for 23 years and ends with the Battle of Waterloo. The Armour of Light will be published by my long-time friends and colleagues at Pan Macmillan whose enthusiasm and professionalism are a joy. To find out more about all Pan Macmillan titles, visit panmacmillan.co.za or you can follow them online on all their social media. Or of course, if you missed any of the titles or the authors that they've mentioned in this segment, this show is available as a downloadable podcast on fmr.co.za. 
Lovely tune there, another Gershwin composition on Fine Music Radio. It is Book Choice on a Lovely Tuesday. It's Publisher's Choice. And we just heard track five, Doing Music of the Gershwin Brothers, A Foggy Day in London Town. And that song, by the way, it was introduced by Fred Astaire, who was a dancer, a singer, and he sang that one in the film, A Damsel in Distress. It's Mzugis Maketa here, by the way. Welcome to Book Choice. What's the next page, Paige? Thank you, Mzu, our music guru. You're tuned into Book Choice, Publisher's Choice, right here on Fine Music Radio with me, your host, Paige Nick, and the man with the voice, Mzu Maketa. So, who do we have joining us on the show next? Only another of South Africa's biggest publishing houses, Jonathan Ball Publishers. 
Jonathan Ball knows a thing or two about bringing you great reads. After all, they've been doing it in this country since 1976. And they don't just distribute all sorts of great international titles locally. Jonathan Ball also produces a host of fantastic local non-fiction titles every month, which they're here to tell us about today. So a big hello to the Jonathan Ball publishing team. We're excited to hear about some of the many titles you've got for us to read this coming month. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jennifer here from Team Publicity at Jonathan Ball. So today we're going to take you through a few of the great reads that you can look out for in stores this month. And we'll also be throwing forward to some of the releases that we're most looking forward to for the first half of the year. Mika will join me a little bit later on to go through some of those. But before we get into that, I just want to share some very exciting visiting author news. The acclaimed historian and best-selling author Simon Seabag Montefiore is going to be headlining at the Jewish Literary Festival in Cape Town, which takes place on the 21st of March, which is Human Rights Day. Definitely check out their website and get your tickets. You really don't want to miss an opportunity to hear Simon speak. He is absolutely phenomenal. So Simon is known as a historian of power and loved for his epic histories of the Romanovs, Jerusalem, Stalin, Catherine the Great, to name but a few of his extraordinary backlist titles. At the Jewish Literary Festival, he will be discussing his latest and most ambitious book yet. It's called The World, A Family History. And in this book, he tells the story of humankind from prehistory up to present day through the one thing that all human beings have in common, family. So get your tickets for the Jewish Literary Festival. Um, You can visit their website and book now. Now for some fiction highlights, which you can look out for in stores this month. Starting off with The Library Suicides by Fleur Daffer. This was a bestseller in Wales and was also adapted for film and it's now been translated into English. It's a page-turning locked room thriller about an acclaimed novelist who is driven to suicide by her long-term literary critic. Or was it suicide? Her twin daughters are determined to get to the truth and have their vengeance. They hatch a plan to lock down the National Library, trapping Irvin, who's her long-term literary critic, inside. If you're after a tense and gripping read, this is for you. And then again, who can resist a book that's set in the world of book publishing? Not us. Next, the highly anticipated new literary thriller from Dipti Kapoor, which is called Age of Vice. It's a high-octane, propulsive, and action-packed thriller slash family saga, which is set in contemporary India and features mobsters, dirty money, gangsters and lovers, false friendships, forbidden romance, and the consequences of corruption. It's a story of violence, crime, and extravagance, juxtaposed with extreme poverty. Opens with a car crash, a rich man's car, a shell-shocked servant behind the wheel, and five people dead. It's the first book in a trilogy, so a very big and immersive, absorbing story to sink your teeth into. Then, changing gears a little, I want to recommend a really magical debut novel, The Circus Train by Amita Parikh which is about a traveling circus in Europe. The story takes place just as World War II is erupting. Young Lena is the head illusionist's daughter. She's a brilliant and curious young girl who aspires to her life in the real world magic of science and medicine, even in spite of her limitations, being in a wheelchair. Her unconventional life takes an exciting turn when she rescues Alexandre, an orphan with his own secrets and a mysterious past. They begin to perform together, 
And over the years, their friendship blossoms into something deeper. So if you love the tattooist of Auschwitz, all the light we cannot see and water for elephants, this novel will absolutely hit the spot for you and wow you with its gorgeous and evocative descriptions, its beautifully conveyed characters and its sheer emotional power. So these you can find in stores at the moment. And I'm going to hand to Miko, who will take us through some of the fiction you can look forward to in the coming months. Over to you, Mika. So the first book that I'll be talking about is Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Melores, which is a debut novel coming out in March. It has been described as Sally Rooney meets Gossip Girl and how one couple's actions have a ripple effect within their friendship and other relationships. The book shows imperfection in the lives of seemingly perfect people with New York as a backdrop in the 1990s. It is an engrossing and sensitive read. Next, I'd like to introduce you to a book called Hold My Girl by Charlene Carr. This is a dual narrative novel about two women whose eggs are swapped during an IVF treatment. This book comes out in March and asks the central question, what makes a mother and whose child belongs to whom? This book opens conversations surrounding fertility treatments, racial identity and loss. It is a tense and heart-racing novel that is unputdownable. Next, we have The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz, which releases in April. Five women are invited to a writing retreat by a famous horror writer. The goal of the retreat is to write an entire manuscript from scratch. The winner receives a seven-figure publishing deal. Sounds too good to be true, right? Until one of them starts to die, and then another and another. This claustrophobic thriller is set in the literary world which we love and is reminiscent of Squid Game and The Hunting Party. If you want to return to the literary world in June, you should pick up Yellow Face by Rebecca Kwong. The story tells the tale of Athena Liu, who is a literary darling, and Juniper Hayward, who is literally nobody. It's a dark thriller with a comic twist where Athena dies in a freak accident and another author, Juniper, steals Athena's manuscript and publishes publishes it as her own under a racially ambiguous name. This tackles identity politics, white privilege, and the length someone would go for a success. Back to Jen, who's got some exciting nonfiction picks for 2023. Thanks, Mika. Um, okay, so on to nonfiction. The book I most want to highlight is a major publication by the groundbreaking and acclaimed historian and author of The Silk Roads, Peter Frankopan. His new book, The Earth Transformed, An Untold History, is Frankopan's new history of how climate change has shaped the developments and the demise of civilizations across time. Frankopan argues that understanding how past shifts in natural patterns have shaped history and how our own species has shaped terrestrial, marine, and atmospheric conditions is not just important, but essential at a time of growing awareness of the severity of the climate crisis. This is a hugely timely and important book to look out for in April. And then to end off with February being the month of love, we can't not mention the new release from best-selling author Jay Shetty, whose new book is out and available now. It's called The Eight Rules of Love. It's all about love and how to find it, how to keep it, and how to let it go. Instead of presenting, instead of presenting love as an ethereal concept or a collection of cliches, Shetty lays out eight specific actionable steps to help you develop the skills to practice and nurture love better than ever before. Shetty's previous book, Think Like a Monk, was an instant bestseller around the world, 
and his podcast, On Purpose, is the world's leading health and wellness podcast. He's certainly an important contemporary voice on matters of the heart and modern relationships. So look out for the eight rules of love in stores now. And on the subject of love and Valentine's Day, I want to end off by calling on our marketing manager, Zwanga, to please share some details of a really exciting Valentine's Day competition that we're running this February. Zwanga, over to you. Thanks, Jane. We are very excited about eight rules of love. We've partnered with Dopia Zero to give an opportunity to anyone who buys the book an opportunity to win one of 20 date nights at a Dopia Zero near them. Um, to enter the competition, all you have to do is buy a copy of Eight Rules of Love, email us your receipt to marketing at jonathanball.co.za, and we will announce the winners at the end of February. If you've missed any of the competition details, you can have a look on any of our social media pages. Thank you so much for listening and catch you next time. To keep up with Jonathan Ball's latest book news, event updates, and new releases, you can visit jonathanball.co.za. And you can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok at Jonathan Ball Publishers. Or you can tune into PageCast, which is Jonathan Ball's in-house podcast, bringing you the story behind the story. Greetings. I'm Galinda Moser, founder of Remax Living. For me, life is all about people and their homes, their environment, and of course, music. Because of my passion for property, Remax Living has become the largest property office in Cape Town. When selling your home, please email me, galinde, at remaxliving.co.za. Remax Living is by far the best way to sell and buy real estate. We are the leaders in real estate. Welcome to Schmidthauser Group. For all your construction, electrical and plumbing needs. Competitive rates, free quotes, and technical expertise come as an inclusive service when using Schmidthauser. A family-run business since 1978, we pride ourselves offering top quality and service excellence. Call now on 021-4244-588, available 24-7. Schmidthauser Group, Swiss Ingenuity, South African Pride. Is your car still under warranty? Did you know that you can now choose where you have it serviced without the warranty being compromised? Don't let your next service cost an arm and a leg. At AutoWorks, you get original parts with a 60,000 kilometer one-year warranty and workmanship as good as the agents. To keep your car maintained according to the original manufacturer specifications, visit autoworks.co.za. AutoWorks. We make autos work. It's back to business, and some things just work better together. Like upscaling your business, plus VoIP voice calling equals improved cost efficiency. Combine endless fiber for reliable fixed-line connectivity with flex on mobile connectivity and optimize business comms with VoIP voice calling, all from 717 Rand per month. Visit telcombusiness.co.za forward slash help me choose, and we'll help tailor our tools for your business. T's and C's apply.
It's one of my personal favorites by the Goshen Brothers. I got rhythm down there by our local artist, the late colleague, saxophonist Mike Lutz, doing that number for us beautifully there. And it was covered by Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, even George Gershwin played this tune. It is Fine Music Radio. It's Pablo's Choice, the new edition of Book Choice. Welcome. Thank you, Mzu. My name is Paige Nick, and you're tuned into Book Choice, Publisher's Choice, for an hour of the latest What to Read highlights brought to you directly by South Africa's leading publishing houses. Next up, we're joined by Viz Chetty from Penguin Random House. The Penguin Random House South Africa publishing team always has a fantastic selection of fiction and non-fiction on the shelves for you to choose from, which is why we're so delighted to welcome Viz Chetty to the show. Viz is the sales manager at Penguin Random House, bringing us the best of Penguin's current fiction, non-fiction, and of course, children's books. Paige, I'm so glad to be back on the show this month. I've got a few more really fantastic titles that I think the listeners would love to get their hands on. We have some really great books out at the moment, but um, coming up in this month, most of these have are in stores already, so, so you should find them. The first one is a non-fiction title, and uh, the book is called Why, uh, sorry, Happy Hour by uh, Cassie Holmes. And uh, she's a professor at UCLA, and she start, had a course on sort of time management uh, a few years back, which became a big hit and that that course basically has become this book. So if you're feeling like one of those people, like there's not enough hours in the day or you work really hard, but you just maybe don't have just enough time to spend with your, your little ones or even your, your animals at home, this is sort of the book that's going to help you with that. So our most precious resource is time. And this book will teach you how to spend your hours and feel confident in, in your scheduling and the those choices that you make, how do you sidestep distractions, how to design your schedule with purpose, and how to create and savor those those moments of joy. So I think it's a fantastic book for someone who's looking to get a bit more balance maybe in life. This is the this is the one for you. So it's Happier Hour by Cassie Holmes. If you like books like Atomic Habits and, and uh, any of Ariana Huffington's books, you would, you would love this one. Right. And then the next book is a fiction title. It's uh, number 38 in the uh, Alex Delaware series by Jonathan Kellerman. Most of his books are set in uh, Los Angeles, and this one is also set in Los Angeles. Uh, it's about a young woman who gets this uh, really great job to uh, help her uh, to become an assistant to a very well-known photographer. And what happens is he, when she comes up on her first day, day one, as luck would have it, she finds the poor guy murdered. And our heroes in, the, in this case are psychologists and detective uh, Alex and Miles are on the case trying to figure out who killed this very well-known photographer. The project that he was working on had received quite a bit of backlash and criticism at the time, so there's a whole string of suspects. So if you're in the mood for a good crime thriller with a good layer of psychology behind it, then uh, Jonathan Kellerman's uh, Alex Delaware series is the one for you. This one is called Unnatural History, and it's number 38 in the series. It's a long one. Uh, it's a long series, but if you can pick it up at a standalone and read 
it, you'll be just fine. You don't really need to go right back to number one. Right. And then the next one is also a nonfiction title by Daniel Goldman. Uh, it's called Why We Meditate. Uh, and it's co-written by uh, Sotni Rinpoche, who's a Buddhist monk. And it's all about meditation. It's the It blends in Eastern and Western viewpoints on meditation very, very well. That's what's good about this book. So if you're someone who have a vague interest in meditation or you've been meditating for a long time, this will be something that will fascinate you because it has it gives you a bit of history into where it comes from. It tells you psychologically what it does to your brain and the benefits of, of it as well. Um, so it deep dives into the practice of meditation, which is very fascinating. And uh, it's effects on our brain. So if you have any interest in meditation, this is a great one. So it's called Why We Meditate by Daniel Goleman and Sotni Rinpoche. And, uh, this book is out at the moment. Right. And then the next one is by um, a favorite author of mine, also nonfiction. Uh, lots nonfiction on this list. James Ricketts sold out how broken supply chains, surging inflation and political instability will sink the global economy. Now, James Ricketts is no uh, stranger to this genre. He's been writing about these things for many, many years. He's covered the 2008 financial crisis very well in, in his book, Aftermath, and he's done fantastic work in the past. So this book, like I said, on the, on the strap line, is all about the supply chains. If you, if you remember a few years ago, or even a year ago, We've, we, we still do have lots of supply chain issues, a uh, shortage of supply of uh, certain products that cannot be manufactured and so forth. So he basically goes into this world and he picks out all the issues that uh, the global economy is facing at the moment when it comes to supply chain. And then, he, and then he goes into the political side of that and how that's influencing the economic side. Obviously, these two go hand in hand. So it's a fascinating look at um, supply chain, the politics and the history behind so if you have any interest in that sort of genre, uh, James Rickards sold out. Right. And then the last one is a fiction title. It's called Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro. It is, it's a it's a book that we sort of uh, are excited about in-house. We all read it in-house and it became a quick favorite. It starts off, the book starts off in a summer night in 1985 and three teenagers, they've been drinking. One of them gets behind the wheel of a car and just like that in instant everything on Division Street changes. Each of their lives, um, there's a character by the name of Ben Wolf was a young doctor who arrives on the scene is shattered. For the Wolf family, the circumstances of that fatal accident will become the deepest kind of secret, one so dangerous it can never be spoken. On Division Street, time has moved on. Uh, when the Shankmans arrived years later, a couple, a, a young couple expecting a baby boy, it is as if the accident never happened. But when Waldo, the Shankman's brilliant, lonely son, who marvels at the beauty of the world and has a, a native ability to find connections and everything, he befriends Dr. Wolf who's now retired and struggling with his wife's discipline, past events come hurtling back in ways no one could ever have foreseen. It's the first work of fiction in 15 years by Danny Shapiro. She returns to that form that launched her career with a riveting, deeply felt novel, and it examines the ties that bind families together and the secrets that can break them apart. It signifies this fantastic, it's, it's sort of a haunting, beautiful uh, story by a very masterful storyteller. And that's all I have for this week. Those are the five um, uh, big titles that I think for Feb you'd want to pick up. Uh, and I hope you enjoy them. They are in store. So if you go to your major bookstores, you should be able to find them. Thank you for having me. And I'll chat to you guys again next month. A big thank you to the Penguin Random House team and to you, Viz, for all your beautiful titles that we so love to read. For more info on the titles Viz just mentioned here today and the many other books they're publishing, you can visit penguinrandomhouse.co.za 
or of course you can follow them on social media.
It's Someone to Watch Over Me, always bringing you the best music and books on Fine Music Radio. Well, it was done there by a local pianist, Ken Higgins, here on Fine Music Radio, covered by many. Just to mention a few, Frank Sinatra, Willie Nelson, Chad Baker, and Elton John has a, a lovely version of this great classic as well. Thanks so much, Mzu. And if you've only just tuned in, dear listener and reader, you're listening to Book Choice, our special Publisher's Choice show, with me, your host, Paige Nick, right here on Fine Music Radio. And as always, if you've missed any of the great book suggestions our publishers have shared with you on the show today, you can always find a podcast of the latest show to listen to at your leisure, and you can find it on our website, which is fmr.co.za, or of course, on our FMR app. And last but not least, our final segment for today's show comes straight from South Africa's biggest bookseller, Exclusive Books. We're joined by Batya Bricker, General Manager Books and Brands at Exclusive Books, who will be sharing a feast of some of her favorite fiction and non-fiction titles that you'll find in your local Exclusive Books right now. Oh, books, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. At Exclusive Books, the shelves celebrate the month of love too. I'm Batya Bricker, the GM of Books and Brand for Exclusive Books, and I wanted to share with you some books that touch on all kinds of love, romantic love, parental love, self-love, and the love of things animate, like coffee and swords and even confectionery. Ina Parman's book, My Favorite Recipes, is the South African cookbook of the moment, and it's as much about her love affair with food as it is a collection of unpretentious, relaxed family recipes. I've already made a few dishes from uh, the book as easy weekday suckers, and like Ina Parman's products, they are foolproof. There is definitely a reason why her products are a staple in every South African's pantry. Each chapter is introduced by a page of anecdotes, colorful memories from a simple upbringing in Beaufort West home economics teaching, a stint in London, and of course, her lifelong vocation in food and teaching. Scattered amongst the recipes are loads of appealing photographs with nostalgic snaps and unpretentious food. And the instructions don't leave even one little step out. And so I think it's great for new cooks too. What am I making tonight? Chicken and olive bake with pitted dates, yum. And talking food and drink, Legends and Lattes by Travis Shaldry. Oh, what fun this book was to read. It is decidedly not my regular reading genre. It's frothy romance, high fantasy, and it's what BookTok is calling romanticy, a conflation of romance and fantasy. Definitely not my usual latte. But this book, Legends and Lattes, was getting so much airtime on social media, and I thought I would stretch beyond my usual and try something new. And I absolutely loved it. Funnily enough, reading the reviews online, I'm not the only one who stretched to read the book, only to be delighted by it. So how, this is how it goes. After a lifetime of bounties and bloodshed, Viv, the orc, is hanging up her sword for the last time. This battle-weary orc aims to start afresh, opening the first ever coffee shop in the city of Thune. But old and new rivals stand in the way of success, not to mention the fact that no one has the faintest idea of what coffee actually is. If Viv wants to put the blade behind her and make her plans a reality, she won't be able to do go it alone. 
but the true rewards of the uncharted path are the travellers you meet along the way. And whether drawn together by ancient magic, flaky pastry, or a freshly brewed cup, they become partners, maybe family, and even something deeper than she could ever have dreamed of. Legends and Lattes is light, it's frothy, it's just what the doctor ordered to banish energy crisis blues, but it also explores all important themes of racism and prejudice, societal structures, but in the forms of orcs and succulents. So I so enjoyed racing home after a day in the office to escape into this world. It is the wholesome and cozy fantasy you didn't know you needed. And then for romance of a completely different kind. I adore historical fiction and The Romantic by William Boyd ticked all the boxes for me. William Boyd himself has a connection to Africa, but he is firmly a British author who now lives, if you don't mind, in a chateau in southwest France where he produces award-winning wine. Glamorous indeed. And the book is too. It's set in the 19th century and the romantic is the story of life itself, following the roller coaster fortunes of a man as he tries to negotiate the random stages, adventures, and vicissitudes of his existence, from being a soldier to a pawnbroker, from being, being a jailbird to a gigolo to a diplomat. This is an intimate, sweeping epic about a man I grew to like and eventually to care for. And from, one, from the affairs of the heart to wanting to be a success at everything, or anything, Cashel Ross finds himself generally outwitted, outplayed, and taken advantage of at every turn. But he is a true romantic who never loses hope. So the book follows Cashel's life in the course, in, in, he was born in 1799 and through the course of the 20th century, but peppered amongst the personal twists and turns of this man's life are notable events and figures from the 20th century. So you find yourself a witness at the Battle of Waterloo, um, meeting distinguished figures such as Byron and Shelley. So it certainly contextualizes the novel and gives it a kind of broad global sweep. Laveau. Well, I'm not sure if this is how you pronounce it, but it's by the poet Atticus. Atticus is an anonymous poet who now resides in um, California and his books became New York Times bestsellers. He writes poems incorporating love, relationships and adventure and he made a choice to remain anonymous after losing a friend to an overdose. He says that he prefers to, and I quote, send love from the shadows. He has an instantly recognizable style. The title is called Laveau, in other words, love, with the O and the V transposed. And it's titled to celebrate the imperfections of love. It's his fourth book, which explores self-love, meaning, loss, and romance, as he unravels the often confusing, but still hopeful human experience. These books became New York Times bestsellers, with the prestigious acclaim by Galore magazine as being the poet whose poems are most tattooed. I'm really enjoying the new and fresh ways that publishers are approaching books and publishing, and the way books are offline, online, and everywhere in between. 
The art in this book is inspired by world-famous tattoo artist Daniel Winter, also known as Winterston, and each piece is based on a real tattoo on a real person. So in addition to handwriting many of the poems in the book, Atticus also sketched a number of Winterston's tattoos for the book. He also has a range of merch, that's branded merchandise for those who need a prompt, so you can scan the QR code at the back of the book to get a direct link to his virtual showroom plus a discount if you buy this way. It's online, offline indeed, and it's a beautiful hardcover book, really a perfect and classic Valentine's gift. So just to give you a feel, two quotes, which I really enjoyed. The one, I love you more than chocolate, she said, and I just wasn't ready for that kind of pressure. But another, if only we could fall in love with ourselves as easily as we fall in love with everyone else. Jay Shetty's Eight Rules of Love, How to Find It, Keep It, and Let It Go, is another biggie for February. You'll know Jay from his book, Think Like a Monk. And in this one, he gives us a guide to every stage of romance, drawing on ancient wisdom and new science. You know, nobody sits us down and teaches us how to love Elaine de Botton also speaks about this and he says love is a skill, not a feeling. So often we're thrown into relationships with nothing but romance movies and pop culture to guide us and muddle through until now. So instead of presenting love as an ethereal concept or a collection of cliches, Jay Shetty lays out specific actionable steps to help develop skills to practice and nurture love better than ever before. He shares insights on how to win or lose together, how to define love, from first dates to moving in together to breaking up and starting over. This is not a book of pickup lines or do's and don'ts. The next time you're tempted to ask your hot mess friend for relationship advice, pick this book up instead. Vex King, the famous music producer, has also given us a gift for February. It's called Closer to Love. He is a best-selling author and he recognizes that modern relationships are more complex than ever. But our inherent need to give and receive love is tr as true today as it ever was. And as we all get our heads around the limitless possibilities of chat GBT, and with AI simulating everything from art to writing, the one thing AI cannot simulate is love. And so this February and this month of love, we invite you to pop into your nearest exclusive books and fall in love with something on the shelves. A huge thank you to Batya Bricker, General Manager of Books and Brands at Exclusive Books. If the book you seek does truly exist, all you need to do is ask at your local Exclusive Books or look online at exclusivebooks.co.za. And that wraps up this edition of Book Choice, Publisher's Choice here on Fine Music Radio with me, your host, Paige Nick, and Mzuma Keta. We'll be back with our regular book choice show, packed with reviews and interviews in two weeks' time from 12 to 1 p.m. My thanks as always to the FMR team and all the publishers who've joined us today to tell us about their magnificent books. We're so grateful for you, Pan Macmillan, Jonathan Ball Publishers, Penguin Random House, and of course, exclusive books. I can't wait to get reading. FMR. Three.